This episode of Born to Baseball is sponsored by the BTB Travel Team and Training Tracker. Are you a parent or player searching for travel teams or training facilities in your area? Or are you a coach looking to expand your reach? Then you have to check out the BTB Triple T Tracker at borntobaseball.com. Make sure your team is represented. Let's go. Calling all ball players. Are you ready to take your game to the next level? Were you born to baseball? Then bring it in. It's game time. Hey guys, and welcome to the Born to Baseball podcast. Today we have Luis Lopez on. Luis is from Brooklyn, New York, and attended Canarsie High School, where he started four straight years on varsity. He graduated from Coastal Carolina University, where he's in their Hall of Fame, as well as the Big South Conference Hall of Fame. In Luis's 20-year pro career, he was the all-time hits leader with the Bridgeport Bluefish, had eight MVP awards, and he played in the big leagues with the Toronto Blue Jays and was a part of the last team in Montreal in 2004. Louis, I'm really excited to have you on. Thank you so much for being here. All right. Thank you for having me. And can you kick things off by sharing your baseball journey? Sure. Um, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and uh, went to Canarsie High School. Um, from there, I I ended up, uh, I didn't get drafted or anything out of high school. Um, I graduated in 1990, showed up and went to a tournament down in North Carolina. And that's where I got recruited by Coastal Carolina. Um, I ended up signing the letter of intent to go to that school uh, down in Conway, South Carolina, which is right near Myrtle Beach. Uh, played there, graduated from the school, have my business degree from there. And then um, after that, had a great career there, um, Hall of Fame and everything. I still wasn't drafted as well. And uh, thank God for independent ball. That's where I started at uh, back in 95. I started with the St. Paul Saints out of Minnesota. And then they sent me on loan to a team out in Ogden, Utah. So I played there, had a good season, and then I got invited by the Blue Jays to come the following year to uh, extend the spring training. And it was basically a tryout. So I went down there and stayed there for about uh, 10 days to two weeks on my own expense also because um, I wasn't signed yet. And then they finally signed me the last day. Um, so I was able to sign and play a short season A ball in 96. And, uh, you know, I had a great career there. Enjoyed uh, my time with Toronto. Um, ended up making it to the big leagues. I cracked in in 2001. Um, after that, I went on to play with the Oakland A's and uh, their AAA system. I was on their 40-man roster but never played a game in the game day in the big leagues with them. And then after that, that's how I ended up playing for the Montreal Expos. That I ended up returning back to the big leagues. From that point on in 2005, I went to Japan to play, which that was another great experience. Uh, to be able to play out there. And then um, in 06, I started with Milwaukee Brewers. I ended up getting released by them. And then that's when my career in Mexico started. I played in Mexico from 2006 to 2007. And then after those two seasons, I came back and I wanted to play near home and be more of my family, my kids. From 2008 until 2014, I played there. That was my last year playing uh, professionally in 2014. So, as you mentioned, you had a very cool international baseball experience. Uh, you went to Japan and you also played in Mexico. 
Um, how did playing internationally influence your game? Okay, well, the biggest difference in playing in Japan was um, a lot more stealing the bases, a lot more bunting, um, slash. They do that play a lot. Um, you know, if too many people don't know what that is, is they'll do a fake bunt and then just pull back after the guys are drawn in from the corners and swing. Uh, they did that quite a few times. Um, it was, it's a lot quicker game compared to what we're used to seeing here in the major leagues here in the United States. Um, and like I said, everybody's pretty quick. And for the most part, the American guys that they bring over there, they're bringing us over there to drive the ball in the gap or out of the park. That's what they mostly uh, have us there for. Um, but it was a great experience. You know, and I told everybody the best way to describe it is it's like a rock star status out there. Everybody knows who you are. So it was pretty cool. So you played in multiple All-Star games and were MVP numerous times in your pro career. Can you tell us what it was that led you to that kind of success? Well, a lot of the times I tell everybody, you know, I was taught at a young age, you know, my parents, they wanted me to always do my best that I could and try to leave a mark wherever I went. So I was always kind of like a perfectionist. I wanted to be perfect at everything I did uh, or close to it, you know. Um, and each year at the end of the season, I always sat down and looked over my goals and see what I accomplished throughout the year, things that I can get better at. I was never really content, even if I won my first award, I want to go back to the drawing board in the off-season workout and get better and go and win my second one and so on. So I just kept pushing myself a lot of the times to win those awards, go to all the all-star games. Um, I just uh, really just wanted to, I was set on setting records on and leaving my name in the long run. That's really cool, just um, knowing how it, leaving your mark, it can push generations later than you to break those records or compete with you, and therefore you're leaving a legacy. So how did those goals you set really push you to play harder and train harder? Um, a lot of the times we talk about it's a mindset thing. Um, you want to be strong-minded to continue not being content with what you did. Keep pushing. What can I do better? What can I change within my workout? What can I change with stuff that I eat? All that stuff to get ultimately our bodies in the best physical shape we can so that we can have that longevity because it's very hard to play this game. You're playing every single day. You're working out and, you know, not too many people get to play for 20 years. So you have to make adjustments to make sure your body is properly trained. And guess what? We all need rest at some time. We have to sleep. Then with that alone, you get a certain amount of time sleeping and your body also grows while we're sleeping. What drove you to work so hard to achieve your goal of playing in the MLB? Um, one, I wanted to try and make it just to help my family. That was one. Um, two, I... Uh, since I wasn't drafted, I wanted to basically prove people wrong that I can make it, even though I wasn't drafted. Um, I know I had to work, you have to have good work ethic uh, to be able to do a lot of sacrifices. 
I explained to a lot of people that, you know, hey, I wasn't able to go to a lot of birthday parties or go to the pool party or to the beach or whatever because I had to go and work out or I had games that I was playing while everybody else was having fun. Um, Just having certain goals, little goals, and you have your ultimate goals too that you always can have. Like my ultimate goal was to make it to the major leagues, but I had to do certain things in the beginning to put me onto that track. You know, um, same thing with focusing, you know, just uh, a lot of people don't understand. When I was in college, a lot of my teammates even understood, you know, just uh, making the right choices. Um, Not messing with, you know, even though I was getting to a certain age that you can have an adult beverage, but I didn't. I was always that guy that would be walking around with a bottle of water. Or if I really got crazy that night, I'd drink a Coca-Cola or something like that, some type of soda. But that was it, you know, and that's part of also being strong, strong with your mind. Mm-hmm. And on an interview, uh, when you were asked what your favorite position to play was, you said you love playing third base, but you would play anywhere just to have a shot. You said, I just want to hit. How did that passion for hitting translate for you in your at-bats? Um, my main thing was hitting because uh, I just really enjoyed the competition trying to outsmart the pitcher, what they were going to do to you and the catcher. Um, it was a battle. Um, you would, I think it drove me because certain times, you know, if they made a good pitch or whatever, the next time at bat, I wanted to make sure I got him back. So I was always into that com- that combat with a pitcher and the catcher and myself hitting. Um, I always wanted to, I always felt like it was going to be my last at bat, so I took every at bat serious. Um, even though we talked a little bit earlier, we talked about how baseball has changed. There's a lot more home runs, mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of strikeouts, and to me, I took it personal that I didn't want to strike out because I felt like I was hurting my team, letting my teammates down. One way or another, I tried to put the ball in play so that I can get on base for the next guy. So that's why I took them very serious with my hitting. In hitting, there's more failure than success. And if you fail seven out of ten times, you're still an all-star. So can you give youth baseball players one or two strategies that you use to bounce back quickly after a tough uh, at-bat or game? Sure. Um, you're correct. It is a game of failure. But what you need to do is those seven times that you fail, you need to figure out why you failed the the biggest thing that as you continue to get older and as a hitter you have to learn how to make your adjustments that much quicker so within an at bat maybe i took a bad swing or i fouled the ball off let's say i'm a right-handed hitter i fouled it off to the right side and so i knew i was late or maybe i was dropping my barrel um certain little things like that or if i was off balance where my weight was you can learn something from every swing. So don't just waste your swings or don't forget about them. Replay them in your mind. When you're sitting on the bench, think about the way they pitched you. Because if they got you out one way, they're probably going to try and get you out that way again until you make the adjustment and prove to them that you can hit that pitch or where it was located. Um, So a lot of the times, just think of what you're doing, what you learn from your mistakes, and then move on. Because if you keep thinking about all the negative stuff, that's what 
drives you and gets you stressed out and you get frustrated and everything like that. You got to try and stay positive as much as you can. And the other thing that I was doing, I, I wish I would have done during my playing days, uh, were reading books. I found, you know, you get a lot of information reading now that I'm in the coaching stage. I read a lot more stuff and it actually helps me out reading stuff about mental toughness, about all that type of stuff, visualization, everything like that. And I think if I would have done that before, it also would have helped me throughout my playing career. I think uh, it's a, it's a good, good tool to have. So what was your mindset going into a game? Like what was your mental preparation? Okay. So we're talking about a 7 o'clock game, 7 p.m. game. I probably was one of the first guys there. I would show up to the stadium probably about 1 o'clock. Um, I probably hit a little bit extra in the cage. I'd do a routine, hit off the tee a little bit until I found somebody to do me some front toss or whatever just to get a little sweat going. Then I'd relax. We'd probably go out for team stretch about 3.30, 3.45. Um, after the team stretch, we broke up into our groups for hitting. It's usually four groups, uh, four groups, about four guys. Um, we'd go through our routines there. Um, I always started off hitting the ball opposite field, and then we worried about the other things afterwards within my rounds. Uh, taking my ground balls. So we figured we were out there for about 45 minutes to an hour for that practice. We'd come in, probably eat a little something, something light, maybe have a soup or maybe a one light sandwich or something, um, fruits, anything, just to eat and have some energy for the game. Um, usually come about 6 o'clock, I would start getting dressed because I would end up going outside maybe about 6.30 or so to start restretching and everything on the line to run my sprints and loosen up my arm again if I had to throw a little bit more so that I can be ready for game time at 7. Um, we play our game, and you know hopefully we didn't play extra innings that day. So the game would be done, you figure, about 10 or so. Um, usually after that, if I didn't lift in the morning, I would lift after the game. So I do my workouts there. By the time I ate a little something, showered up, we're talking about almost midnight by the time I would leave the stadium um, to go back to my house or my apartment. And then the next day, just wake up and do it all over again. Yeah. <laughs> Your first major league at bat was pretty unique. Uh, can you tell us about it? And what were you thinking and feeling starting from the on-deck circle? <laughs> um, it was against the Angels. I was facing um, Mike Holtz, lefty pitcher. They had uh, brought him in. They put they put me in the pinch hit uh, for our catcher Darren Fletcher. So to face the lefty, we had the winning run was at second base, and I came up and my good friend Benji Molina was uh, catching, and I'm on deck and all I'm thinking is, wow, I'm really I'm, I'm gonna hit in the big leagues. This is pretty awesome. And the first guy I happened to face, I had already faced him in college. So I already knew wow. what he had. Yeah. So That's I already cool. knew what he had besides the scouting reports that they told me the way he was, what he was, what's his tendencies and stuff like that. Um, when I got to the home plate, Benji comes walking back, Benji Molina, and he's like, uh, hey, Louis, what's going on, man? You know, congratulations. You got called up. And by the way, 
you can relax because you ain't hitting today. <laughs> and I go, what are you talking about? What do you mean? He goes, because we're going to put you on. We're going to walk you intentionally. Oh and I told him in Spanish, I go, for real? And he goes, yeah. So all of a sudden, he put his arm out for the intentional walk. They threw the first pitch. After the first pitch, the first thing that came to my mind was, I'm probably going to be a trivia question. <laughs> not too many guys. Not too many guys, their first at bat in the big leagues, they can say they got intentionally walked. And uh, wow. But I made sure I have the DVD to prove it. So I have it at home. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty cool first at bat. Who was the best pitcher you faced, and what made them so good? Okay, I faced a lot of very good pitchers, Hall of Famers, and it's no disrespect to all of them, but the best one that was hard for me to face was John Smoltz from the Atlanta Braves. Um, the best way I can describe it, I tell everybody, it was like, if we were playing wiffle ball, that's the way his ball would move. He threw nothing straight. I mean, he was sinking and cutting everything. It was unbelievable how much movement he had. Mind you, he was still throwing hard, too. He can throw 95 or better. Mm -hmm. But he was, and that's what I explained to everybody. It's not so much the velocity that gets us out as hitters. It's the movement that gets us out. That's what, that's, those are the toughest kind of pitchers. The guys that have good movement, they're able to pitch on both sides of the plate. They pitch outside and inside. Because if I face a pitcher that's just strictly throwing away, it's going to be easy for me to hit. Because I know I don't even have to look inside. Yep. But the guy that throws to both sides, that's when it becomes hard. Because hitting is hard, any way you look at it. But you know, if they're going to give you that, um, they're just going to throw to one side of the plate, it's going to be that much easier to hit. So your former team, the Montreal Expos, uh, now the Washington Nationals, they just won their first World Series in franchise history. Um, how awesome was it to watch your former team win the World Series? I was very excited for them. You know, I know it was, uh, I was able to play on the last Montreal team before they moved to Washington. Um, the one thing that I, that I took away from that World Series that I liked about that team is yeah, they had a couple guys that are superstars with big names, but they really played as a team. They played together. They all were pulling for each other. If they had to bunt, they'd bunt. If they had to steal a base, they stole a base. Um, I always preach to my guys so that when I'm coaching, I tell them the way you win championships is by pitching good, throwing strikes, obviously playing good defense. That's another big thing. And it's timely hitting, and that's what they did. They had timely hitting. When they needed that big hit, they happened to get the big hit. But I think you can see that their team chemistry, like everybody was real genuine. They pulled for each other. There was no selfishness. And I think that's ultimately what helped them um, beat out Houston. Because, I mean, Houston was stacked. You look at that team, there was a lot of superstars, and really nobody gave Washington a chance. But sometimes you need those intangibles to win championships. That's what good teams are made of. Baseball teams are like family. And in the pros, you probably see them more than your family. So I can imagine being a part of the last team in Montreal has to be really special. Um, do you still keep in touch with some of those players on that team? Yes, I do. Um, one of them was Jose Vidro, a second baseman. Still keep in touch with him. Um, 
every so often I still spoke to uh, Tony Batista. He was on that team. Carl Everett was on that team with me. Nick Johnson. Thank God for social media too. Yeah. You know, that's how we were. A lot of us were still able to connect and or reconnect. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, we do. And you're right. It is a family. You meet a lot of guys, become friends with them because you spend more time with them than your actual family. So you're absolutely right with that. You're inspiring the next generation of ball players, and you preach hard work and great work ethic. Um, how important is it for a player to work independently and not just with their team or trainer? A real good question um, because I always explain to our players if you want to be a good college player, you need to put in at least 40 hours per week of practice time. So it's basically a job. And I said, look at, look at it like this. So we're talking 40 hours. We practice at my high school, let's say Monday through Friday. That's only 20 hours, right? Yep. Okay. So the other 20 hours, where are they going to come from? It has to be a you on your own working on your trait getting those extra ground balls, getting those extra swings, um, just doing that stuff. If you're working with a trainer, making sure they're working with you the, with the proper stuff that fits and works for you, you know, because everybody's different. Everybody's body's different. You can't teach the guys all the same stuff. Um, but that's that's the type of things that uh, I try to pass on. You, know, you want to play college baseball, you have to put in 40 hours of work per week. And if you want to play in the MLB, obviously you have to put in more. And baseball, it's a big commitment uh, for you, just taking the time out of the things you might want to do instead, like relaxing instead of working out or uh, going to a friend's house or hanging out with a friend instead of going to practice or a game. So it really takes your own time and commitment to get where you want to go. Right. You know, you just balance it out, though, because you still can have fun with your friends, but just having time management, you know, because you also need time to rest. We talked about that as well. It's not just work, 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 because all of a sudden our body's going to break down. So you need time to recover and rest as well. So just having a schedule and be organized with it and follow that time management. So now I want to move into the rapid fire questions. Okay, you ready? All right. Who's your favorite hitter of all time? All time. Okay, I have a couple. Um, Edgar Martinez, Tony Gwynn, and the last one I really liked was Juan Gonzalez. It's ironic, two of the three, they wear number 19, and that's one of the reasons why I wear number 19 as well, too. If you could hop into a time machine and play baseball at any year in history, what year would you pick? What year would I pick? Um, probably, I would love to see back in the day, like when Babe Ruth and Mickey Mantle and Lou Gehrig, all those guys, I'd want to see them guys play because I've heard so much about them, how good they were and everything. I thought it, I think it'd be pretty cool to be in around that era yeah. to see how it was. What single piece of advice would you give to your teenage self Dreaming of making it to the bigs. Okay, well, one, handle my business in the classroom. As we talked about, you know, as far as getting athletic money and academic money, 
for college scholarships. You get way more money with academic money. So that's one, concentrate on my studies. And two, do everything I can, baseball-wise, or everything that I can do. If I have to work out, lift weights, everything that I can, because we're only allowed, we're, we have a certain amount of time that we're allowed to play this game. And I always mention it to the guys, we're lucky if we can play ball till we're 20 years old. So don't waste your time. So before we wrap up, uh, would you like to share any projects that you're working on now or have coming up? Sure. Um, the two things that I'm doing now, um, I'm the varsity coach at the Harvey School. It's in Katona, New York. Uh, we've been there now for five years. And uh, it's been going well. We won our first championship last year. Congrats. So thank you. Well, so we're hoping uh, we continue that success this year. We have another good team on paper. But uh, anything can happen in between those lines. The other thing is we have the New York Nighthawks, which myself and my partner, we created it right after I retired. It's a nonprofit organization that we try to help kids to move on and show them the importance of having good grades and going on to college. Let's concentrate on graduating from college, even though you have those dreams of making it to the major leagues. So those are my two things that I'm just keep, keeping up most of my time right now. And where can people go to follow you or learn more about you? Well, I'm on uh, I'm on all the social media stuff, Twitter and, and Instagram. It's at the word double L one nine one nine. That's my uh, handle name for Instagram and Twitter. I'm also on Facebook as well. And then we have our pages for the Nighthawks and the Harvey School as well. So you can, I'm, I'm always putting stuff up because I look at it this way: we're in a we're in a or a time of technology, and a lot of our young folks, uh, they're always messing with their phones and their iPads. So I look at it this way. I'm able to put information on there on my social media stuff that they can read and give them motivational quotes and stuff like that. So I use that for those purposes so that they, just to give positive uh, energy. Lewis... Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I had a great time. And thank you for taking the time out of your day to come share your knowledge with the Born to Baseball community. I appreciate it. I love what, everything that you're doing with this. Uh, feel free to have me anytime. Thank, thank you. Thank you all for listening in. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to hit the subscribe button and be the first to know when new episodes launch. Check us out at borntobaseball.com for free resources and new gear. Download the Born to Baseball app to have real-time conversations, share your game and video highlights, and be celebrated by our BTB team. And of course, on social media, at Born to Baseball, where we can connect live. Now, let's play ball. Check it out.